talk about China on this show a lot, and uh, for good reason. There's there's a problem with the China-Canada relationship, and it's not good for our country. The two Michaels are the story that come to mind and grab all of the headlines, but there are a lot of other important issues taking place on this file, and more increasingly, we're, we're hearing people raise the alarm in this country and others about just how dangerous this situation has become and what we need to do and be aware of. Now, Charles Burton is a senior fellow at Macdonald-Laurier Institute Centre for Advancing Canada's Interest Abroad and a former councillor at the Canadian Embassy in Beijing. He joins us now to talk a bit about this. Uh, good morning, Charles. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning, Shay. Yeah, you know, I mean, this China file, we talk about it a lot, and, um, you know, our own government and our own intelligence agencies have been, you know, pretty vocal in publicly identifying China as being a very significant threat to our sovereignty, which, you know, it's pretty alarming. So so what's going on? What do we need to be aware of in terms of what's happening with China? We hear a lot about Meng Wanzhou and the two Michaels and everything, and they're important stories, but there's a lot of other things happening, isn't there? Yeah, there's a story coming out in the Globe and Mail about um, the University of Alberta, in fact, that received a generous donation from a Chinese billionaire who's a member of the Standing Committee of the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference, so quite a senior person in the regime. And it goes on to explain the number of connections between professors and faculty at the University of Alberta, and um, Chinese research into sensitive areas like nanotechnology and telecommunications and biotechnology. So, you know, on the one hand, you have um, prominent Canadians in positions of influence in society and government who are the recipients of benefit from the Chinese regime, and that seems to be designed to cause our political and business elite to turn a blind eye to uh, extensive PRC, you know, People's Republic of China, um, malign behavior in Canada, violating the norms of diplomacy, trade, and um, and uh, espionage. So, you know, the, the Michaels are just the tip of the iceberg in terms of trying to coerce our government to to bring its way around to allow the Chinese state to achieve uh, its interests in our country. And, uh, you know, there are an awful lot of Canadians who I think should be called to task for receiving benefits from agents of a foreign state um, to act on behalf of that of that country, specifically China. So we need legislation, you know, a foreign agent's registry to try and uh, figure out what's going on and to ensure that that the Chinese money is not buying um, influence in Canada that goes against our security and sovereignty. Yeah, and you mentioned, um, you know, the University of Alberta. Um, that that is a, a tactic being used by the Chinese government, right? Uh, with um, Chinese students studying in Canada, and also some educational. I don't know, institutions or partnership groups that they've set up, they've really infiltrated in terms of education in our country. Yeah, I mean, you know, the universities have a mandate to uh, produce and share knowledge, including in sensitive areas. They don't, our universities really don't have a mandate to protect security. So we have seen a lot of researchers, particularly at the U of A, which seems to be the center for this kind of activity, who are receiving generous funding from People's Republic of China sources to um, set up labs in in China or to go and give lectures or to um, receive Chinese uh, scholars, some of whom hide the fact that they are, in fact, um, working for Chinese military and security research institutions. 
And so basically we're being robbed blind in a lot of ways, uh, you know, and, and a lot of the proprietary um, uh, results of the research for which the Chinese provide some funding, and, you know, a lot of the funding would come from the Canadian taxpayer, like the National Sciences and Engineering Research Council, is then transferred to uh, Chinese copyright, and they use it to strengthen their military, which, you know, pre presents a strategic threat to us. So, you know, we really need to do something about this. But it's very hard for the government to tell universities how to mm -hmm. how to engage in their activities and where they can and cannot receive funding. Now we're talking about post-secondary education, but it goes beyond that. I know the, I want to ask you about this situation. The Edmonton Public School Board has a relationship with something called the Confucius Institute. A lot of education agencies in Canada do, and there are some analysts and experts out there saying this is just another tool of influence that's being wielded by the Chinese government. School board in Edmonton says, "No, there's been no issues. We're good." What is your thoughts on um, the Confucius Institute and its infiltration of the Canadian education system? Well, you know, I think it's very important that more Canadians should become fluent in the Chinese language so that we're better able to meet the challenge of, of China. You know, so many of our diplomats go to China without knowledge of the, of the language and culture. I mean, can you imagine uh, us posting someone to, to Washington who couldn't speak English? Right, yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't really work. We need more, much more expertise to meet that challenge. But the problem is that going along with that, the education that they that the Confucius Institutes provide to the Edmonton children provides uh, a distorted uh, depiction of the Chinese regime. So, you know, they're not going to talk about the genocidal policies in Xinjiang or what uh, China's done in Hong Kong or or um, you know China's uh, um, per pervasive surveillance activities or or attempts to expand territory in the South China Sea and all these things that are a big concern to Canada will be kind of swept under the carpet in this education and and students will be given the idea that the Chinese Communist Party is a benevolent mm -hmm. institution seeking to do good in the world. Well, you know that doesn't serve Canadian interests. We need we should be training our people with our own money. Uh, uh, in a, in a way which reflects uh, Canadian values and perspectives, not not the values and perspectives of the Chinese Communist Party. You know, Charles, the question that I always come back to on this is: Our government seems really reticent to do anything on this. There, there seems to be absolutely no pushback to any of these stories that we've talked about today. They just seem to sort of roll over and, and take it. Why is that accurate? First of all, and why is that? Yeah, I think it's definitely accurate, and, you know, we got a lot of virtue signaling out of the government about uh, Chinese malign activities. You know, they, they acknowledge that agents of the Chinese state harass and menace and coerce uh, persons of Chinese origin in Canada, and yet the government fails to protect these people in any meaningful way, and, you know, they acknowledge that there's genocide going on in in China against the uh, Turkic Muslims, and they acknowledge that China's violated um, the terms of the Sino-British Joint Declaration that Canada endorsed when it was lodged as a UN treaty uh, way back when. Um, you know, we acknowledge all these things. Nobody does anything. And I think it's really because of, you know, Chinese elite capture of our political and business elite. And what we really need is something like the Australian Foreign Influence Transparency Scheme Act to, you know, to 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 
force people who are in policy positions or retired from positions of trust in government to reveal any benefits they're receiving from a foreign power. And I think the reason that there's no movement on this on the part of our government, and in fact a lot of government statements saying it's not feasible in Canada, is because, you know, it would it would uh, bring out a lot of prominent, important Canadians and show them to be um, receiving benefit from the Chinese state on condition that they support Chinese state interests. So, you know, it's so entrenched that while the Canadian public, people like you and me and your listeners definitely get the message, it seems that the elite uh, tries to, you know, tries to, to, to sort of put us off so that we don't demand that the right thing be done uh, before it's too late. You know, I was watching 60 Minutes last night, and I'm sure you probably saw it, um, uh, yeah. an interview with the Secretary of State, and they focused primarily on China. And a lot of the things they were talking about China doing in the United States are the th- same things that they're doing here, and I imagine it's happening in a lot of countries around the world. Is there a chance that there could be an international front to, to, to sort of um, have a little pushback here, or are we on our own? Well, uh, you know, certainly uh, President Biden has indicated that he wants to set up a meeting of like-minded democracies. Um, you know, as you say, there are a lot of countries in the world who are suffering from the same sort of hostage diplomacy, uh, various applications of non-tariff barriers on, on exports to China for economic coercion to further their Chinese political ends, like turn a blind eye to espionage and that kind of thing. Um, The question is, you know, would Canada actually um, enter into such uh, an alliance when the Chinese government and the regime would be so much opposed to Canada's participation in it? So, you know, if there was such an alliance set up and some standards were established to um, you know, get the, the middle powers of the world together to to respond to China in concert, as opposed to you know an asymmetrical bilateral power relationship where China is basically able to do all kinds of things to Canada, and Canada you know simply appeases yeah. appeases it or doesn't respond. That would be great, but Canada would have to agree to to act in concert with those powers to to show some backbone and to indicate to the Chinese regime that we're just not going to put up with this anymore. And that is very much in question. You know, I I sure hope it happens, because I think that's really what people in Canada would like to see. Yeah, I... uh... You know, I always thought it was just because of the economic interest and, and, and the influence that they exert over us economically. This this was a bit of an eye-opener to me to find that so many people in positions of power, in many cases, um, you know, once they leave whatever positions of, you know, trust they may be in, often end up working in one way or another for the Chinese government. It's that blatant, correct? Yeah, I mean, it it is absolutely blatant. And you can't say, you know, you can't make any connection with the fact that when they were in positions of public trust, you, you know, they didn't act in ways that the Chinese embassy would not have liked. And then after retirement, they received what my uh, friend at the Royal United Services Institute, Charlie Parton, says, life-changing amounts of money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we haven't, we haven't got the uh, ability to 
to make these people accountable and require that they that they're open about their sources of income. But the other aspect is, you know, only four percent of Canada's external trade uh, goes to China, as opposed to like about a third for Australia and New Zealand. And Australia and New Zealand have been much more proactive in trying to meet the challenge of of China's violations of the of the norms of trade and diplomacy than we have. So you, you know that in itself is a is a problematic yes. uh, factor indicating that the problem in Canada is much more serious than uh, than we realize. Yeah, a, a lot of problems and I really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us this morning to go through them. Thanks very much, Charles. It's good to speak with you, Shay. Thank you. Thank you. That is Charles Burton who is uh an expert on what's going on with the China China Canada